Hey, welcome to the Pastor Standing Firm podcast. My name is Jeremiah. I'm here with my friend Brian, and I can't wait till this conversation today. How you doing, Brian? Man, I'm doing really good. How are you? Man, super, super good. Pumped about this. I have been loving the conversations that we've been having with some of the guests that we've had, Absolutely. and I'm excited about just having a conversation between the two of us today. Yeah, now it's just the uh, it's the OGs We're taking it back. <laughs> And, uh, and we, that's what our plan is every, every once a month, every four or five episodes, just the two of us diving into topics we want to talk about again. And so this week we want to talk about the whole idea of the relevant myth, mm. how being cool church has led us away from being a Christ-driven church. Man, it's so true. And, you know, years ago, I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably remember or maybe even still read the Relevant magazine. I know that was a popular word. Oh, man. And everybody was saying, hey, this is what we need to do. We need to be relevant. We need to reach people. And that was kind of the Mm -hmm. driving force behind it is we want to reach people. Yep. But I think that we've seen trends in churches today that maybe being relevant is something that's going to cause you to become watered down and really ineffective in seeing what Paul declares is the power of God unto salvation. Right. And that's that's what I think that I am kind of moved with right now is this idea of Paul says, I didn't come with wise or persuasive words, but I came in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Well, as a Pentecostal believer, a pastor, I've always thought that that's got to be signs and wonders and miracles. But right. when you really look at what the Scripture teaches, the power of God is the power to make someone born again, to have a new nature, and that they're regenerated, come to life. Something that mm-hmm. was dead comes to life. That's that's really what Paul says, I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power because people were being born again in a supernatural mm-hmm. way and that's why it's so important to preach the gospel right right and they were doing that for a long time the relevant church the relevant movement was doing that for a very long time until they weren't mm. right and it's the this slow i argue that there is no there's no such it's not black and white it's always a fade to black mm. and that's what's really happened i would argue over the last 10 years for sure but definitely over the last 15. Now, specifically, what are, what are you referring to when you say okay, that? Okay, so the relevant movement, here's my argument. And this is, again, if you refer to uh, Tommy Barnett's book, What If? He talks about different movements in his lifetime. We That was in our first episode. We talked all about that. But the idea, basically what we did as an evangelical church, right, in, in the Western world, we established church different. We decided... You know, we can do some things different. We can modernize our music. We can make our buildings look like office buildings or or attractive instead of, you know, like cathedrals. And we can sing songs we enjoy. We can clean up the parking lot. We can have programs that people actually address their problems. You know, talk about marriage a little more than, you know, the eternity in hell and things like that. And and there's value in all of that. It wasn't a down, uh, it wasn't a necessarily a bad thing. It was where it ended up, right? Because we are people of extremes, basically because we're sinners, we can always swing the pendulum and the pendulum can always swing too far. So I would argue this movement began somewhere in the 1950s and 60s when you have guys uh, like the Crystal Cathedral uh, who says, I'm going to do drive-in church. And that was great. 
There, there's value in that. The innovation of the gospel, 1975, Willow Creek Church starts, and they, they're doing skits on stage and a whole bunch of other things, and they really pioneer it. Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Church, which is a book that I read and, and loved. I'm, I'm sure you have as well. And none of those things were bad or wrong. And then Andy Stanley probably, uh, you know, he became the, the, the gold standard of the of that movement, of the relevant movement, as far as local churches go. And then you get Relevant Magazine and you get others. And I would say the beginning of the end or was the Mars Hill churches, whether it's Driscoll in Seattle or Rob Bell in Michigan. What you have is eventually late 2000s, early 2010, what you have is this giant shift that happens, right? And a whole bunch of Christians decided, you know what, I'm not... I'm not voting conservatively anymore. I want to vote Democrat because I care about these other issues and I don't care about those anymore. Or they, you know, we're not addressing those, so I'm not going to vote that way. But what happened was the pendulum began to swing the other way and we understood why. But at the same time, we left truth in the process. Mm. We left the idea of morality. Yeah. We left being the conscience of the country. Sound doctrine. Right. And we became, we attempted to be cool, and we have left Christ. Mm, say that, man. I think the problem is my my summation of what's happened to the, basically the church almost everywhere, is we, for a long time, we learned really well how to adapt, and somewhere in the process, we moved from adapting to adopting. Mm. Cool lights were not something we wanted. Cool lights are something we have to have. Mm. You know, the music we said, you know, maybe our music can be a little more. No, now we have to have it. Yeah, right. Amazing illustrations are not. You know, they're they're fun and and they help get a point across. Now, you're not a good preacher without any of them. Mm. Right, and and what happened is it it set the vision in churches instead of right the bible the yeah. holy spirit yeah. setting the vision mm. so the way that we do church has now become more important than actual what church's purpose is right and adapting into culture so recently this week i sent you an article i mean if you want to unpack it yeah this daily wire article is basically saying that the government went to influential church leaders that have platforms went on their podcasts was interviewed in their blogs and Rick things Warren, like that Ed Stetzer Tim Keller and more yeah and the this government agent was on their podcast and then sharing basically what the government wants people to do when it comes to their health decisions specifically this this shot for this virus and so that's such a slippery slope because it can it could start in one place but it eventually is going to get to a place where now the government can share propaganda about anything that it wants to and it can utilize and harness the influence that church leaders have and that trickles down into our churches and our pastors and then the people that are attending our churches mm-hmm. are getting basically brainwashed by the government through the church. And 
they just got a lot of faith that the leaders are going to choose to do the right thing. Right, That's or they, that God placed them there, yeah. so they must not be lying. And, and they argued that it was guys like Francis Collins who proclaims an evangelical faith. Yeah. And to your right was another one. The name of the article is How the Federal Government Used Evangelical, evangelical Leaders to Spread COVID Propaganda to Churches by Megan Basham, and it's on dailywire.com. It's a phenomenal article. It's incredible. Very well and it's research. Yeah. yeah, it's it's researched it it's fact-based. It's it's not um it's not sensationalized, but what you have is these evangelical leaders taking what the government says and saying this is absolutely true. And a lot of these things we have now found out false, yeah. weren't true. Things that you and I probably towards the beginning were questioning, right? Yeah. Saying, "Yeah, I don't think that's Right, I don't think that's correct. But guys like Ed Stetzer said, you are, you're a pariah. You're a conspiracy theorist. You have no business in the ministry if you question these things. Basically, if I question, questioning him is wrong, mm. right? Questioning, and it's it's not even that I was questioning them or their position in ministry. I'm questioning the information, saying, yeah. is this right? Science, by definition, is observable. Like, like that's because our people trust the science, trust the science, trust. The, well, give me something to observe. You, if you can't observe it, you cannot use the scientific method. I mean, it is, it is very clear. And so, so far, this medical trial that's been going on has not reached the point to where you can observe all of the years of data that you need in order to be able to do some things. So the the whole thing is just says, hey, 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 as church leaders, we can't be so quick to just sign on with where the world mm -hmm. is on any particular issue because the prince of the power of the air is blinding the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. Like, Satan is active at work lying. He's the father of lies. And it's so important for church leaders to be aware that we are not to just be in lockstep with what an earthly government in any form and fashion is saying to do. We are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. And, and it's so important to teach people that because if we get too much like the world, that's where Jesus says in Matthew 24, he says, see to it that no one deceives you. Because there's a lot of deception out there. Right. And these specific leaders are the ones who, I would argue, challenged the last system in the church, and they helped kind of adopt and create cool church. You know, they, they and many of, all of them are very dynamic communicators and had a lot of success in ministry. So how did they get there? The irony is these are the same leaders who would call out a Robert Jeffers or Jeffries, however we pronounce yeah. his name, for coming alongside Trump and saying, you know, and, and you know what? I would argue that's a fair criticism of Robert Jeffries to say, you know what? We're not, I don't want to align like that. Okay, fair enough. But the irony is they did the exact same thing. And why? Why did they do the exact And that's the question we're asking today. Yeah. Why did these men been now proven wrong in a great deal, right? Uh, a year ago, you know, the vaccine, if you said online that it you could get it and spread it with the vaccine, you know, your account would be suspended, maybe taken off. And guys like these pastors called you a conspiracy theorist and, and called you out. Well, fast forward to now, 
that's been 100% proven true across every platform, not just Fox News and, and, and Daily Wire, right? We've seen that. Now, you and I then are like, well, we'll see what this medication does. Hopefully, hopefully it does everything it says it's going to do. Just wisdom waits, right? And But these leaders, no, absolutely, this is it. They ended up there because they started at a position that says, you know, I don't know how effective we are being at winning souls, the power of the gospel that you're talking about, that we started talking about. They said, what if we presented the gospel a little more contextually? But fast forward long enough in that position when everything has to be contextualized, then the text no longer matters. Mm. And that is what has happened. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you're saying gospel and will lead people to salvation. Right. You're, you're saying gospel and wow. cultural relevance. And, and what we're saying is, no, it's, it's gospel only. Like, yes. we just tell people you're a sinner mm-hmm. and you will be judged for your sin if you do not have a substitute that will stand in place of the judgment that your sin deserves, right. that is it. And that's what God has been doing with me recently in my messages, man. I've just been like, I've got to get back to what it really is at its core. I got to get back to the very, very centerpiece of this thing. Because when you start reading Paul's writing and Jesus teaching from, from, from this pure standpoint, like I, I have to be super pure with the gospel presentation. I've got to be very, very pure with it. I've got to remove all the impurities because Paul, he tells the church in Galatians, he says, I did not receive this gospel from any man. It came directly from heaven and I'm here to tell it to you and you better make sure that you stay in Christ alone. He says in Galatians 4, he says, I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And, And when you start to get this, viewpoint that he's he's really trying to just get all of the other stuff out of the way because it's the pure gospel presentation that is everything and when you start following some of these leaders who are just kind of being in lockstep with the world in so many ways it is it is a little bit of a gospel and 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 i think that that's where that purity has got to come into play yeah well that's a that's a killer observation that I don't think I ever even thought of. Like you, now you've added the gospel. You haven't tried to con- bring the gospel to the context. You said the gospel plus contextualization. Yes. No. 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 <laughs> you know, and that's where I, I look. You know, Paul said, "I, I have considered everything else foolishness, but this." And Paul was a brilliant man, right? High, the highest of education in his culture and people of his day and time. Yeah. And he said, it's all stupid. I'm just It's all foolishness yeah. except this Christ and him crucified. Yeah. Everything else, I'm forgetting about it. And we lost that. Right now, we're sitting in your office, right? And and one of the books that we've discussed, we haven't gone into, and I... I I went to the conference. I saw him speak on the topic. Uh, was Andy Stanley's book Irresistible? Yeah, I went to it as well. Right, and there's there's a premise in that book that is a good idea, and I would argue in the book is extremely poorly fleshed out, extremely poorly, and some might argue heretically, but I'm I'm not making that assertion. 
I don't want to sit in that seat. But what I would say, one of the, the premise of the idea of the book is, you know, the first church won people to Christ before they convinced people on the Bible. So win them to Jesus, Jesus first, and then we'll figure out the rest as we go. Well, that's true because they didn't have the Bible that we have, right? Obviously, it, it and they're, there are people who are stuck on get them to believe the whole Bible maybe before they come to faith. Well, that that's a difficult thing to do. Um, that being said, that's it's kind of an idea, but the premise is already askew because you're saying the word of God is not living and acted sharper than any two-edged sword to divide rightly in somebody's life. What is it in the in the book of Numbers? Well, I want to ignore And he goes on to say, unhitch yourself from the Old Testament. Those are his words directly from the book. It's probably the thing that made the book the most famous and got him in the most trouble for it. And yet I would argue you have now said the parts of our faith that are problematic to the unbeliever, let's put that in the back room, in the closet, away or get rid of it to win unbelievers. And that's why we've got to get a clear identity of God, of Yahweh, of the Father. Like we've got to get a clear understanding of his character, his nature, the way that he thinks his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And we've got to get to a place where we we formulate our entire biblical worldview based on the identity of our heavenly father, understanding that he is good in everything that he does. And we've got to figure out the goodness that comes out of some of those more difficult passages Mm -hmm. because he's good through and through. There's no shadow of turning with him. I mean, he is completely 100% good. Jesus had someone said, "Hey, you're you're my good teacher." And he said, "Hey, there's only there's only one that's good, and that's mm-hmm. that's the Father. The, the Father's the one that's good." So yeah. Jesus testified that he's good, so he can't separate himself from good. He's always good. So therefore, those difficult passages we've got to wrestle with. But here's the thing with this irresistible book by Andy Stanley is I went to the Deep and Wide tour mm-hmm. and I took our elder board from our church because I had read Deep and Wide, yep. loved it, yep. and I wanted our elders to hear Deep and Wide. They didn't know, I didn't know when I signed up to go to the Deep and Wide tour that it was actually the irresistible tour. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So we're sitting there and he's going off on the Old Testament, and I'm sitting here with my elders like, guys, I didn't mean to bring you here. Like, I didn't know this was going to be this. I thought we were here to do something other than that. And that was my first exposure to it. So it was mm-hmm. very uncomfortable because mm-hmm. sitting there with your elders, and and these are some pretty major theological ideas that I'm not even sure anything about. I mean, it yeah. was it was very, very challenging. You know what I feel like Andy Stanley did with that book, Irresistible? And, and, what, and here's the thing. We're picking on him, but this has happened across the yeah. board in evangelical yeah. Christianity churches. Uh, Christianity Today does it every single day on their website. They do it all the time. And you know what, you know what we're doing, what we've done? We're saying we're trying to get you to come live in our house. And, and live with our master. And they're like, yeah, but I don't like your back porch. Okay, tear down the back porch and leave it wide open. Okay, let's do that. So we tear down the back porch to get them to come in the house. And what we don't understand is we've our heating and our air conditioning and nothing works anymore and everything can come, come in and out of it because we've torn something down that belonged there 
to try and get somebody to live in the house. Yeah. It's not working. Ray Comfort, familiar with Ray Comfort at Absolutely. all. He has the analogy, you know, that we, we present the gospel like this. We say, here's how you can have a better life. Right. And he says the problem with that is the gospel is a parachute. And it's difficult mm-hmm. to enjoy your flight while you're parachute. wearing a parachute. And he says, we're telling people, come in here. And then we're saying, okay, well, you know, really, you got to put this parachute on. And they're like, I came in here to be comfortable. And now, now this is making me uncomfortable. I mean, Jesus came and said, you have to die in order to follow me. Like, why would we lay out this picture of a relationship with God when we know, uh, well, in just a minute, I'm going to have to introduce you to this right here. Yeah. I preached a message a few weeks ago in John chapter 8 where it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Well, th- that was offensive to his listeners because they were children of Abraham. And they were saying, we don't need to be set free from anything or anybody. We've never been slaves to anybody is what they say. Jesus just lays into him and says, you're not even Abraham's children you're Mm. the devil's children i mean (laughs) like he is just breaking it down and so i I, as i look at jesus example i mean he's john chapter six he's just fed the five thousand and then he said you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood they said that's pretty difficult right there right he cuts the crowd down (laughs) i know and then he turns to his 12 disciples and he says this john chapter six i think it's 67 and 68 he says do you want to go with him too he's like go and get yeah. Get on, get on, get on out of here. And right. then they've got to make this. Well, well, you're the one who holds the words to eternal life, and 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 that's worth it for us. It's yeah. worth all of this persecution for us. And I think that's where we've got to be training people. Is Jesus really needs prepared. to get to some church growth conferences? Doesn't yes, he? I know. Be prepared for what's difficult. Like my job as a pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Well, if culture is going to put more pressure on people, then I've got to train them in the more difficult things so that they can be prepared for whatever lies ahead, because it's probably going to get more narrow, more difficult, Mm -hmm. and there are going to be few who find it? Yeah. Those are the types of things for me that scare me, keep me up at night, is the few find it. Yeah. Like how few are we talking here, few? You know? I would love to take a few minutes and talk about our our personal own journeys with this uh, from relevant to real. You know, okay. from from not cool, uh, from from trying to be cool. You've always, you're still cool. I've, <laughs> I never was. I just wanted to be. And then to moving into like, I'm going to be who God's called me to be, and I'm going to be unashamed, and this is this is the deal. When I was in Bible college, late 90s, early 2000s, right, the days of delirious, you know, Hillsong was new. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I know I'm old, right? And, and all this stuff. But as that happened, I remember just being like, finally, some worship music, I actually enjoy this yeah. music. You know, I always enjoyed what we were singing about. I just didn't enjoy the music. And so it was neat to see that happen. Relevant magazine, like, yes, can we can we do that? Can we say some things? Can I invite my friend to church? And they're not completely lost with what's happening and uncomfortable. I think God was in all of that. I think that was a good thing. I think it was blessed. I think it was good to be like, hey, talk in languages people understand. Nobody knows what the word atonement means if they are not been in church for a while. So we adjusted just some of our language and, and things but as time went on, so for me, 
I'll tell you where one of the shifts happened. I, I ran a master's commission for several years, and I remember just those college-age students coming in, and one of the big shifts for me was, man, they they really don't have a sense of what biblical morality is or biblical sexuality or or even a biblical worldview. Yeah. They had no, no idea, not a clue. And I remember saying, okay, let's talk about homosexuality. Yes, it's a sin. Well, can you be, you know, can you be a Christian and be gay but not do gay stuff? Like that was that was the question. And those are fair questions. And just basically say, you yeah, know, well, so here's the thing. We're is our identity changed or it isn't? Are we Christ followers or aren't we? Have we been born again? Right. Are, new and nature, so new are heart. we dead to sin and alive in Christ? Yeah. So if so, we can't say I'm this and that. I'm with Jesus or I'm not. And that's an, that's an area. Yeah. Then there were those who were saying, well, I believe in a full-blown Darwinian worldview, except, you know, God started it. Basically, almost deism. Mm. And I was saying, yeah, so no, you can't believe that, but let's explain why. And we did great courses like Does God Exist with uh, Dr. Stephen Meyer that Focus on the Family put out years ago. And and different things. And we dove, but it began to change in my heart. And then, well, I was as I was a lead pastor, I remember ever more so, you go to those church planting camps, I'll tell you what, you walk out of those church planting camps being like, Man, I, I'm going to change the world. I'm yeah. going to be the giant megachurch. And a little bit like, I, I think I was just sold a timeshare. But uh, <laughs> but you go and you're like, this is it. This is it. And I've always had a bit of a cynic in me so that I remember them telling me at this boot camp, like, you can't fail if you follow this model. And I was like, I think I could beat that. And I think I, fa- I could fail. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could. But I remember my first sermon on that launch day. It was terrible. Mm. <laughs> it was the worst because I'm still trying to be cool yeah. and relate, but I'm I'm not really saying anything. Yeah. And then over those years and just really like we're we're God just saying, just don't say what you want to say and then my word back you up. Say what my word says and yeah. I'll back you up. That's it. And don't get me wrong, I've I preached the word over my ministry tenure, but the transformation that's happened even more inside of me of just saying, you know what? I cannot remember one Sunday and then I'll, and I'll pass it on to you. But I remember one Sunday specifically pre COVID. And now I had to address something in the message about basically abortion and pro or against, and there, you know, I remember wrestling saying, what am I going to say? Cause I don't want left people, mm. you know, or pro choice people to leave my church mm. or not come. I just remember just feeling this massive conviction saying this is not a political issue. This is a biblical issue. Yeah. New Testament believers went down to the riverbanks from Romans who discarded their children, snatched them up and raised them as their own. This is not a political issue. This is a following Jesus issue. It's a sleight of hand. The enemy is pulled on the church and even more so church leaders to try and be culturally relevant and cool, but they've left Christ. Christ goes to that kid and says, I will raise them. I'll take care of them when nobody else will. Yeah. And so I I proudly said, This is not this is not a right and left issue. This is a human rights issue. This is a following Jesus issue. Yeah. We are pro life, a hundred percent. Yeah. Beginning to end. And what's crazy is God used that. 
There's a family in our church who ended up adopting a baby that was going to be aborted from a coworker. From moments like that, we started an adoption fund. We have a camp for foster kids birthed in our church. And I I don't take credit for that by any means, but that's God using a moment that says, will you take a stand on what I say in my word, or do you want to try and just appease and appeal to everyone? That's, that's what, that's what the title of this podcast is. That's what, that's what the whole purpose of this is. Ephesians chapter six. I mean, we're talking about the armor of God. And when you've done everything, stand and then stand firm. Like, You've got to take a stand on the word of God. That old song when I was a kid, the B-I-B-L-E. Now that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's what I was, that's what I was taught. And that's that's what I'm getting back to is just saying, I've just got to take a stand. For me, it was uh, it was a a process of kind of I say detoxing from mm. kind of a, a relevant it's got to be this way, you know, like yeah. I, I, I kind of was just withdrawing from it. I had withdrawals, you know, like there <laughs> were times where, you know, uh, like the length of service, like the, COVID really kind of changed that in my heart is because like, there's just so little freedom anywhere else that you go in Illinois. Mm-hmm. People are just masked up and checking your vaccine passports. And I mean the whole thing. And so coming to church, it's like, man, let's just get together with the body of Christ. Let's just worship. Let's pray. And let's hear the word and let's fellowship. And people stay for a long time now, man. People hang out afterwards because it's like, it's like that's become more important than everything else. Because now it's like my faith is being tested in a way that it's never been before. And so Part of the relevant detox for me was was the length of service. Like there, there's not a number now that it's like, okay, well, this is going to be too long. It's just let's just do whatever the Lord wants us to do while we're gathered here, Come and on. let's finish what we are supposed to be doing, and let's not cut it short because there's you know something else, some other motivation, and let's just meet with the Lord. Let's just let the Lord lead. Let's just let the Holy Spirit have His way, and let's just. Be obedient at the best possible way that we can. So the length of service is one thing for me. Uh, you know, the content, like you said, of the preaching and things like that, like definitely I'm not going to apologize for God. I'm not going to say, well, here it is, but, you know, no, I'm just going to say here it is, and we've got to get in alignment with this. And that that's really where my preaching's been recently is I'm saying, if, if you are, I told our people, I said, because uh, I had just a message I knew, the Holy Spirit had just told me, hey, this is going to offend some people. And because of the content was controversial. And I'm like, not going to shy away from controversial content when it's clear in scripture. You know, I'm just going to, this is what the word says. You got to identify with what the word says about you. Do not identify with what the world says about you. And, and that was really the message was, you've got to line up with the word, not with the world. Uh, there's one pastor from Australia that I've been following. I think it's like Andrew Sedra. I think is probably how you pronounce his yep. name. And he says, we've got to teach Christians not to view scripture through the lens of the world, but view the world through the lens of scripture. And, and it's so important to do it like this, because if you don't, then you're going to find people who are, are kind of 
just letting letting the word kind of be a a, a kind of advisory committee, you mm-hmm. know, like rather than like the Lord and master and savior of my life, you know, philosophy versus canon. Yes, it's it's so important. And so for me, you know, when I told when I, when the Lord said you're going to offend the people with this message, I said, OK, well, I got to teach people what to do when you get offended by the word. Uh, this is spiritual growth 101, in my opinion. And, and so what I did is I said, you have two options. When, the, when you get offended at the preaching of the word, you, number one, need to go read the scripture. And if option number one, you have been living in deception and you have allowed the lies of this world to be the basic principles of this world is what Paul says in Colossians, rather than the inerrant word of God, you've got to repent. Like, so you get offended at the word, you go to the word, you see clearly that you've been living in deception and you repent and you turn and change your ways so that you line up with God. I said, the only other option you have is you get offended by the word, you study the word, you realize that you are being offended because that person was not preaching the word of God and it was, it was their, their doctrinal mess up that did it, you get as far and as fast away from here as you possibly can and go find some places that's going to preach. You don't have any other option when you get offended by the word. You you repent and believe. You get closer to God. You're getting more sanctified. You're getting less of the world in you. Or you're, you're, you're finding like the Berean church, you're studying and you're showing yourself approved and you're like, hey, this, this is not biblical and I'm out of here. And, and that's really what I, what, where that's for me, that kind of awakening, it's a fear of God thing. I think, I think for me, mm. the process of leaving all of this stuff behind has been, I've been growing in my fear of the Lord. And I'm just like, mm. oh, I just want to reverence him. I want to take all of his very, very important words very seriously. That's good. And I want to align my help, my whole heart. And then I want to help other people align their heart with what the Father's heart is. And along with that, that fear of the Lord, we have treated his bride with contempt. Mm. And we've done so by losing the fear of the Lord. Yeah, The bride is the church. Here's another relevant myth. The lost aren't coming to Christ because the church did or is doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Huge relevant myth. It's a lie. And here's how I know it's a lie. Because the studies have been done. Barna did them. Other research groups doing them. Tom Rayner did it. It's just been transfer growth for quite some time. Most of the growth in the church. About a third of the churches in in America have actually grown from real soul winning. And the rest have not. They've just transferred and exchanged people. Why? Because we tried relevant stuff and it didn't work. And so then we said, well, we're sorry for... And the church's fault is relevant magazine, I would argue, seems to have now dedicated itself just saying everything that's wrong with Christians and the church. And that, if you, Jeremiah, you and I are friends, right? If you came to me and like, Brian, I love you. I think the world of you. I want to hang out with you. I want to know everything about you. But I hate your wife. I, she sucks. She's the worst. She communicates badly. I don't like the way she dresses. She smells. She's rude. She do. If you just kept going, man, 
we're going to be on the floor banging at each other, like hitting each other. Cause I'm not going to, and right. And vice versa. Yeah. Right. If I said that to you about your bride, you, that them's fighting words. Yeah. And yet we have, we've not only justified doing that, we've made it a ministry. We've made it media platforms. We've made it book sales to destroy and put down his bride wow. over and over under this myth that this will somehow cause us to reach lost people. But if you said, hey, would you come and live with me even though my wife is the worst, guess what? I don't want to move in with you. Man. There's a, there's a word for, for relevancy that's found in the Bible. And James, this Satan? section here, <laughs> this, just this section here, James chapter 4, the section title is Warning Against Worldliness. Oof. And that's that's what I don't think people understand. It's it's worldly. It's it's worldly, and we're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be righteous, righteous, right standing with God, doing things God's way. James says it like this in James chapter four. He says, "You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God." And then he talks about the jealousy that God has. And then he goes on and he says that that specifically what it is is verse 11, verse 12, they're talking about judging one another. Like so so because they're 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 not honoring one another. They're not doing things the way that God wants to do it because they're doing it the way the world does it and they've got a worldly mindset. I mean, you could plug and play a thousand different things that would cause a worldliness about us. But what we've got to do is purify the church from worldliness. We've got to take out all of the worldliness and let it be godliness. Let it be things that are focused on God and remove all of those things that that would cause us to to miss it. There's one of my favorite um, uh, YouTube channels right now is called Woke preacher clips yeah i don't know if you've seen this man but oh my if you just when you get done with the podcast go to youtube woke preacher clips some of the stuff that people say in churches is mind-blowing mind-blowing the worldly mindset they're just basically saying okay here's a scripture that backs up a worldly idea that is completely antithesis to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is mm-hmm. unbelievable. One of the ones that they regularly play in that Twitter feed is the, well, used to be called the Phil Vischer podcast. I think it's called something else now. And again, that's regional to us, but Phil Vischer is one of the guys who helped create VeggieTales. And he had a guy on it named Sky Jathani and some other people. And I used to really enjoy it. I thought it was very thoughtful, uh, slightly provocative. But as time went on, I realized, at what point do you hold a biblical worldview and then versus just say, I reject it for the sake of, and when you have to dance around and when you need a five, seven, 12 hour conversation about how the Bible justifies whatever cultural moment touchstone we're in right now, guess what? It's probably not the Bible. Mm. It's probably not the truth of God's word. It's you trying to adapt God's word into culture. Uh, and and it, 
it was so, and I'm not calling out names here for the sake of trying to bash them and put them down. I'm not judging their eternity. I'm not judging their soul. What I am doing is I am judging the fruit of this. And the fruit of this is an embracing what you just said, worldliness. Some of what we believe is antithetical to the world and their philosophy and their heart. They're not on board with us. The cross is an offense. I loved what Pastor Steve said in our in our first episode. You can't put the word social in front of the words justice. All yeah. justice, real justice, is God's justice. Yeah. When you make it social, you've now made it to a people group. Yeah. Even Morgan Freeman says, I don't believe in racism. Stop calling me a black man. Just yeah. call me a man. Yeah. Morgan Freeman, if there's a guy who's probably experienced more racism than most in Hollywood, yeah. right? He, he's not a young man. And again, I... I will say, as a as a white guy, do I understand that fully? I don't. I'll I'll fully embrace that. So there's a balance, right? And there's a balance with the relevant movement. That do we have to throw out all ideas that we gain from that? Should we sing hymns with an organ in a small with small wood pews again? No, I mean. I like cushions on my seats. There's nothing wrong with that. I like a band. There's nothing wrong with any of that. The difference, what we're talking about, though, is saying this can be something we use, but it's a tool. It's not a vision setter. Yeah. What's setting the vision is the word of God and the spirit of God. Yes. I've learned like now, and here's an example. I think Mark Driscoll, I, whatever you think of him, that man can preach and teach. Yeah. Even if you despise him, fair enough. But that man has an anointing on his life to preach and teach. He just flat out does. I like him personally. <laughs> I'm not judging him. I'm not judging his path. I think every minister screws up, falls, and has to get up at some point or another, some to a larger extent than others. But that guy could go for 60 minutes and it feels like 20. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, God's given him a gifting there, right? And then there are guys who go like 20 minutes and it feels like four hours, right? It all depends on who they are. But even there, it's freed me up along the way to say, as you said, maybe I'll just preach the word that God gave me. I mean, within reason, I'm not preaching two hours. I'm not preaching an hour and a half. But do I have to make sure this hits the 30-minute mark? I used to. Now I'm like, well, Jesus. And, and you remember the argument, right? Jesus' longest sermon was never more than 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Do you remember that? I, I, have I, you ever heard that That's one? my first one I heard now. Okay. So I was taught that one like as a way to not preach too long. And again, I would argue that's a result of the relevant movement. But the truth is, first, I ain't Jesus, right? <laughs> I'm not that smart. I don't have infinite wisdom. You know, I, I'm not that close to the heart of God. I am a son of Adam. You know, yeah. I'm reborn. But yeah, man, if it takes 45 minutes, if it takes an hour. Paul preached all night long. Dude fell out the window, yeah. healed him, and then kept going. Like, yeah, come I on. mean, like, you ain't going to stop Paul from doing what he came to do. Yeah. Uh, he, that's that's what I feel like we have to get back to. We have to get back to. I have an assignment today, and I can't and I can't I can't let you go until I have fulfilled the assigned task that the Lord gave me to speak on today. And it's just going to take however long it's going to take because I've got an assignment, and I, I feel like I've gotten more of a, a a sense of that call of God, a, more of a sense of that oh, like weight that I have to carry. Like there is a, a weight, the word glory in the new Testament, it it has a weight about it. There's a, there's a weight that the glorious word of God has put on me and Mm -hmm. I can't 
take off the weight until the assignment has been completed, until I'm finished with what I was supposed to come here to do. And that's yeah. deliver this message. Right. So good. And one of the outflows, one of the great fallouts from that, and that's, that's even, for lack of a better way to say it, the blessing of COVID. It's confronting this yeah. stuff in the church. It's confronting us. I remember as we were reopening, one of my elders asked me, well, should we reopen now? What are the big churches doing? Literally what they asked. And I looked at him and I said, man, I love you, bro. But first, they're not doing anything. Mm. And that we're going to be answering this question long before they will. Yeah. Because we're not trying to please a mass crowd. We also don't have to worry about 10,000 people getting COVID. So let's answer the question in our context. And our context says proclaim the gospel. Our context says these people need hope right now. Yeah. The people that we've got. Yeah. And the truth, I would argue, right? And we just saw that this past week, right? John Hopkins studies. Maybe, maybe 0.2% of deaths were prevented from lockdowns. Yeah. The truth is, all this, all the numbers, all the lies that the they told you lies when they said shutting down churches is saving lives to not be a super spreader event. Lie. Yeah. It was a lie, lie, lie. I knew it was a lie then. I remember saying, no, no. God's work on the earth is not killing people. Absolutely not. This is a lie from hell. Yeah. Even then when I heard it, I just remember being like, mm, no, yeah. no. Now, that being said, we did what everybody else did, right? We took those few months and we pulled back and trying to give the benefit of the doubt. But after a bit, you're like, something's not right here. Yeah. Something's wrong. I think we're being lied to. I think we're being manipulated a little bit. But not only that, this is the first time maybe in the history of the world where for the sake of a virus, we're told across the globe, churches shouldn't gather. And that's the moment the church should have stood up and said, we will, we do not comply. Yeah. We will not go along. The Bible says to gather. It says don't forsake the gathering. Uh, and, and nowhere in there does it say, you know, unless everybody's really sick. It doesn't <laughs> say that. It, it, right? And if you are, yeah, stay home. Of course, blessing of streaming online. And the balance of that, like, you and I, right, we're not going to stop using illustrations. We're going we're gonna to still enjoy our nice transitions. Right? We still want flow and excellence. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But what is wrong with it is saying to culture, Tell me what you want from us, and we'll do our best to meet that need. Instead of us knowing their greatest need is a savior. Yeah. One of the examples, social justice, you know, 10 plus years ago, right? There was a great book. It's very interesting called The Hole in Our Gospel by Richard Stearns. Got it in my shelf here. Right. Very interesting, insightful, but some of the premise is wrong. And part of the premise was, missionaries went to the globe and stopped doing things of justice and just won souls and then got out of town. I don't know about you, and this is, this is anecdotal. I don't know any missionaries who almost did that. I knew like a Reinhard Bonnke, that was kind of his ministry, but he always partnered with the local church. Do you know missionaries who didn't always try to meet needs everywhere they went? They may not have called it social justice, but the premise is wrong. Yeah. 
It's, it's not true. It just flat out isn't true. Now, that being said, can we do more? Can we dig more wells, provide more clean water, provide goats for villages who need it and food and milk? Absolutely. Can we do microeconomics and teach women who are in human trafficking how to have a business on their own and make it? Do it. But if you don't do it with the gospel, why are you doing it? Yeah, you've got to do it with the gospel in central view because that's the Good news. That's like the the people who are dying and going to hell. You just saved them. You you Jude says you plucked brands from the burning. You know, like you just rescued people. It's it's just such mm-hmm. a beautiful picture. And really, kind of here's how I kind of want to wrap this up: is to bring the focus back again on really like what the centerpiece of this whole conversation has been. And that has been, are we going to purify what it is that we're called to do, or are we going to water it down by adding more unnecessary things to it? And that's really what it comes down to is, is the gospel alone enough or does it have to be the gospel plus something else? Because if you don't answer that question and wrestle that all the way down to the ground, you're just going to be tossed to and fro. You're going to hear this leader say this and follow this conference over here and change the whole thing about this right here, rather than have it be so set and steady. that says, my goal is to offend with the word of God, the flesh of every single person who comes to this service today so that they can repent of areas of not aligning with God's perfect holiness and become more ready for the rapture or for persecution that's going to come, whatever it is that they're, they're, they're more equipped They're more equipped. I want to get them equipped. I want to get them equipped. I want to get them equipped. And I think that in so many ways, we're seeing large denominations. I'm not going to mention what or where, but I feel like there's just a drift to, to more worldliness. It's, it's better to be, it's better to be more mainstream. It's better to be more, you know, looking like the world in so many areas, because that's going to be, that's going to be a, a place that, 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 they're going to get into it. And I'm saying, oh, man, we got to be careful. We got to be careful. We got to be careful because there's mm-hmm. there's, there's a slippery, slipperiness to that. And I would rather go the complete opposite way and become more and more focused on what the Father desires. Because when I'm focused on what the Father desires, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to set me against the world. I'm going to find myself standing against. And, and, and that's what the scripture says, stand against the devil's schemes. Well, the devil schemes and many times popularized through mainstream culture. Like it's the devil schemes. And so we've got to be very clear that we are against the devil. We're not against people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're against the devil's schemes and what sure. he is doing. And I think that that's so important to do. It's so good. So good. Yeah. I think the last thing I would say, the danger of relevant setting the vision ultimately in our hearts and from these leaders it's a works mentality. Mm. You have to do these things. Basically, if you fill in the blank of how to be relevant in whatever your context is, then the loss will come home. Then they'll understand you. Then they'll receive you. Then you'll win. Then you'll be successful. Then you'll be blessed. If you, what is it? That's works. People aren't saved by works. and We won't win the world by it. It's a myth. It's a relevant myth. We can try and do whatever we can to contextualize and relate to people where they are. But that's not the goal. The goal is 
Know Jesus. Make him known. I love it. Well, man, this has been a fun time. Great conversation. And I am looking forward to the next episode. Thanks so much for being with us on Pastors Standing Firm.